This is the Formosan Business Support Podcast Show. We help you do business, projects, investments from and to Ila Formosa, also known as Taiwan. In 2019, we shift our focus on renewable energy and electric mobility. Don't miss your chance in the Asia-Pacific business. Hello, everybody. It has been a long time. I'm very sorry for that, but I really have been busy. As you might know, offshore wind is taking off in Taiwan, and um, so I, I I also figured out that uh, my former podcast didn't have a focus what to talk about. So me and my company now specialize ourselves on offshore wind, wave and tidal power, and geothermal power, all renewable. And regarding to that, there's one podcast episode by ICIT uh, where we interviewed uh, Hale Falls. So I thought, uh, yeah, I borrow their episode, try to make it brief and get you before my opinion another opinion by someone who has been a while here, but not really related to offshore wind. Well, anyway different opinion different people let's hear into it um so let's talk about the referendums well before you do that let me ask you a question please when you came into this room what's the first thing you did you turned on the lights i turned on the lights you turned on the lights and then you turned some more off at home the first thing you do when you walk into your house is Turn turn on the lights and when you plug in your cell phone and want to recharge it you plug it in and you expect you just naturally expect the power to be there. First world country, yeah. Yeah, I mean, in a first world country. But do you stop to consider it's coming from nuke, or it's coming from coal, or it's coming from gas, or it's coming from solar, or it's coming from wind? You don't care. Yeah. You don't care as long as you can flip on that switch. And, and, I'm, and I'm bringing this up because, you know, you talk about the, the referendum um, on, on the nuke plants. and. Yeah. You talk about alternative energy, you know, as we're going to talk today, what's the energy mix and what are people willing to accept going forward? What do you think it should be? You know, I was born and raised in my energy life in the nuclear industry. Mm -hmm. The thing about nukes in Taiwan is when you look at the environment, the the air pollution, the, the, the climate change, it's probably the cleanest form of energy, reliable energy, that we have. It's cheap. Even when you consider in the shutdown and costs, yeah. it's less than coal. It's efficient. The You can store five years worth of energy for one nuke plant at the nuke plant mm-hmm. with the fuel rods. It's dependable. It's dependable. When you look at Taiwan security... If there was ever a blockade from, let's say, mainland, then the first thing that's going to happen is you're going to start losing coal and you're going to start losing gas. But you can have five years worth of energy stored in these nuke stations. So you can you can still have, what, 6,000, 8,000 megawatts of power for emergency needs for up to five years. So security reasons, it's good to have them. And the first thing I would shut down before the nuke stations is the coal stations. That yeah. would be my personal opinion. Uh, but how has the like you know the scrapping of the nuclear free plan? How's that impacted uh, your wind farm? 
it hasn't impacted our wind farm at all yet, and it's not going to impact the one that we have now. But it seems to be already impacting the offshore guys. The government seems to be not as anxious to drive offshore energy. Now, that could be because of the referendum, mm-hmm. or that could be because some of the realities of offshore wind is, is setting in, including costs and, and the development and how long it's going to take. And a lot of the companies who have come over here, and rightfully so, are are really kind of protesting and not real happy with the current developments. The Taiwan offshore wind uh, people were told they were going to get a very high feed-in tariff rate mm-hmm. and that they were going to be allowed to have a higher feed-in tariff rate for the first 10 years and then it would be stepped down to basically half of that for the next 10 years so that they could quickly recuperate their investment costs. Right, yeah. To make and it feasible, basically. To make it feasible. Um, and so recently, uh, and I say recently within the last week or two weeks, um, the government has has decided to lower the feed-in tariff rates by 13% for offshore. Um, and they've also decided to scrap the step down, the, you know, step down tariff feed-in rate, and they have a proposal to limit the size of the offshore generators, each one, down to like three thousand six hundred kilowatts each. the The latest technology is the one they want to put in are five thousand kilowatts, and nobody knows why they've decided to cap the size of the generators offshore. And it's mostly the European suppliers that are that are coming over here to do the offshore because they have the experience. They've never heard of this, and they've also said you're asking for older technology. So there's there's just been a lot of changes for the offshore industry guys, and they've come over here for the last several years uh, with high anticipation of what they're going to install and what they're going to spend and how long it's going to take. And to this point, it just hasn't happened. They're far, far, far behind. We don't, they don't have the install boats. They don't have the maintenance boats. They don't have... They've got two turbines still installed. I think they're working on two more, but that's that's it. Wait, two offshore wind farms? or Two, two offshore turbines. wind turbines. Total. Total. They're behind. And there hasn't been a lot of communication about it, it seems. I went to a meeting with the... ECCT, the European Chamber of Commerce Taiwan, the Alternative Energy Committee, and we had like an emergency meeting to discuss these points that I was just bringing up to you, the the change in the tariff rates, the change in the way they're going to pay the tariff rates, the change in the turbine status, Mm -hmm. uh, and, and try to get an explanation of why. And the ECCT was like, it seems like the Taiwan government has taken the French model versus the English model, where the French model was, well, even before the industry starts, we're going to we're going to start regulating it and regulating the cost, regulating the tariff rates, regulating how quickly we want to build these things. And if you look, there's not much wind turbine going on in France. It's kind of a failed industry. Where in the UK, they, they came out with a plan, they stuck with the plan, this is the rate, this is how we're going to develop it, this is the time periods, and they stuck with it. 
And once it, they got into a developed industry, then they decided that they could change the regulations. We could we could install them a little slower. We could we could have more onshore production of of the parts and the components, like a localized industry. We can turn down the tariff rates. But that was after the industry got started. And that's basically what the ECCT, the, the Alternative Energy Wind Committee, is pushing to follow what you said originally. Let's get it going. Let's get it started. And let's turn it down after that. Yeah, it's basically follow in the footpaths of a successful uh, implementation rather yes. than a failed one in France. Yes. But if you remember right, when I was here the last time, I think I I think I told you that the offshore industry is having problems and struggles to get started up and and maybe they're trying to push it too hard because because they want a 20% alternative energy grid by 2025 and they they want to do localized components and manufacturing and, it, and it's not there yet. So I think what I told you is still true. There's still a big struggle for the offshore wind industry. But I think the, these new policies that the government wants to implement is even going to make it harder for these guys to do it. And I'm not against offshore energy. Not at all. It's just they've got to find a smooth path to implement it and follow it. Mm -hmm. And it just hasn't happened yet. And I think these offshore wind guys who have spent millions of dollars to be here to get where they are today are suddenly being told, we're changing the rules. Yeah. They're not happy. So what's the sentiment there? They, are they thinking about pulling out? Or they ever, they've already you know, sunk a lot of cost. In yeah, the they've sunk a lot of cost. And, and nobody's talking about pulling out. But I think they're trying to work um, closer with the Bureau of Energy and the uh, Ministry of Finance and the MOEA to to try to come to an understanding that they need to follow the path that was laid out originally um, and maybe even change it because the original path was let's do all this localization of the generators and the satters and the windings and the blades and everything. That really has, I think that's been one of the slowdown factors of, of getting offshore energy going. Instead of bringing over bring it over initially the generators from like Siemens and and Vestas and maybe Mitsubishi people and installing them and then slowly developing your own offshore industry. Let me cut in really quickly just to tell you a bit more context and about some recent developments in the wind power development programs here in Taiwan. St. Danish power company Orsted is suspending investment in offshore wind power development programs here in Taiwan amid what it calls is a reevaluation of its investment in the country. So Orsted says it has informed its supply chain of the suspension of operations and of ongoing contracts to install wind power facilities in the west coast. So according to Orsted, it's not withdrawing from the Taiwan market but is concerned about the unstable investment environment here following controversial changes in the feed-in tariff rate. So the government of Taiwan has said the feed-in tariff rate could be cut by 12% to 5.1 NT for this year, which has seen other foreign offshore wind power developers threaten to reconsider their investment projects here as well. So now you know the most recent developments, let's get back to the conversation with Hal. This sounds like you know, the Taiwanese government wants to, you know, have their cake and eat it as well, you know? You know, Taiwan has been really good of manufacturing 
learning an industry and being able to manufacture that industry as you as you move forward. They've always been really good at it. And they're trying to do it in the in the alternative energy sector. They've they've done that very successfully in the in the uh, solar. solar sector. I mean, we've got a big solar production sector here. I think all the solar panels installed here are from Taiwan. So that's really good. And they're trying to do the same thing on the wind side. But building wind generators is a whole lot harder than building solar panels. Yeah, it seems more involved. I remember last time you said that, yeah, you know, getting the uh, wind turbines and all the, you know, manufacturing stuff of, you know, all that stuff here localized is is all well and good but to install them offshore in the sea you need like a specialized boat you need all yep. these other things and you know yeah you have to take that into account as well right yes and if if you're going to build a 5000 kilowatt generator maybe you have companies here like Teco that are today they can build a 50 or 100 kilowatt uh, generator and it's so much different, especially when you're going offshore. I know they want some of the Taiwan uh, generator manufacturers to be able to manufacture these things, but it's not there yet, and it's going to take time to get there. So if they've been delaying the offshore industry to get this to that to that point, well, this is this is what you're ending up with. Nothing's happening. Yeah. Okay. At the same time. We could be we could be focusing on onshore. Ah, well, hey, perfect segue, Hal. Thanks for that. So, tell me about the development of your wind farm. First, Miali and I understand you're expanding. We're trying to expand. You know, with some of the new EPA laws about where you're allowed to build these things and where you're not allowed to build these things, and being close to occupied residents, it's just kind of limiting where we're able to put our generators we would like to completely change out every one of the generators that we now have in Holon but because right now each one of our turbines is 2,000 kilowatts we'd like to change it out to 4,000 kilowatts and put in bigger towers and more efficient turbines but in the last 15 years obviously housing has moved in around our area so mm -hmm. if we want to change out we would probably be able to change nine of them maybe ten out of out of in that area 21 mm. um, we have some in Junon we have four over there there's there's businesses that have been built right right down you know I mean the blades go over the businesses so it's that close wow. I don't know if we'd be able to rebuild those or not I mean the new these blades are 35 meters the new blades are 65 meters. So, <laughs> I mean, they stretch out a lot. Yeah. Well, not 65. They're only 60 meters, but whatever. Each uh -huh. blade. So, uh, when we first built our, tur our wind turbine, the EPA laws said if we were in an area and we were under 50 megawatts, we didn't have to do an envir environmental impact assessment. Uh, the new laws... We do have to do one, and if there's residents within 250 meters, then we either can't build or we have to have their permission to build. I see. Yeah. So it just makes it just exponentially harder. That's um, right. Yeah. Yes. Um, it's hard, but there's well, something that they're doing in Europe is called uh, 
community wind farms. So uh, an investment group like us, wind owners like us, would, would let's say we want to rebuild in Holong where we are now, then it would require us to have a city hall meetings and invite in the community and say, okay, you guys are within this limit. We still want to build it here, but we want to give you some ownership in the in the wind farm. We want to give you you know a certain percentage, a small percentage, because we know you know first of all the EPA law says we have to, and second of all, you guys are going to be the ones that are most affected by this thing. So if we work together, then we can profit, and you can profit, and we can we can have like a shared ownership. They call it community community wind farms, and apparently they're pretty successful in certain places in Europe. So that would that might be the step that we're going to have to take mm. to rebuild. I think we're going to end it there. Is there anything else we want to talk about? I really think Taiwan has to look at, I mean, the alternative energy sector. I, I started this. You turn on a light switch, right? And you would just expect the light to go on. But where's where's the energy coming from? People have to decide. Nobody wants a power station in their backyard. Nobody wants a wind turbine in their backyard. Nobody wants solar cells sitting, although solar's not such a bad thing, but it's not that efficient. Nobody wants coal in their backyard, uh, gas turbines. There's one thing that I wanted to bring up. One area that has not been explored in Taiwan. There's, there's really two types of energy, okay? There's what they call distributed power where you have one big power generator and you generate the power and you distribute it all over the all over the valley all over the island and there's also what they call distributed generation where you have smaller generators uh, like micro generators like wind turbines or solar cells and, and batteries so you can have a solar cell at your house and battery storage that would be distributed generation. You could have a small wind turbine at your house. That is distributed generation. You're not totally reliant on a big nuclear station. Or you're not totally reliant on coal or gas. Or you, you go into residence. If you have like a, an apartment building uh, in, in Taiwan, you have, a, you have a generator, and I don't mean diesel generator, some kind of you know, alternative energy generation mm -hmm. to power that building, to power that business. If you could put up a, a four megawatt turbine, wind turbine, to power a factory, that's not that efficient, but it's still distributed generation. When it's operating, you supply your own power. Maybe the wind isn't so high or the sun isn't so great. You can rely on the grid for a backup, but you still have distributed generation. There's a system that seems to be growing in the States. It's, uh, you can look this up, Bloom, B-L-O-O-M, bloomenergy.com. They do fuel cells, but it's not hydrogen fuel cells. They have a solid, uh, solid oxide, I believe, uh, fuel cell where they're processing natural gas. Just like at your house. You know, you have natural gas coming into your house. They process natural gas instead of burning it. Mm -hmm. It's very clean energy. It's very high efficiency energy. It's quiet. It's like a fuel cell. Mm -hmm. 
Mm -hmm. There's no noise. Yeah. They generate up to 300 kilowatts each one. It's about the size of a car. You can put those any place. You can put those in factories. You can put those on this building. Maybe you could put one in a in a big housing block where you're generating your own energy in a housing block where you have the grid backup. Mm -hmm. So, in my opinion, yes, we have wind farms. But if you took an individual wind farm and powered a business, that would be distributed generation. Right now, our wind farm is powering the grid. That's just distributed distribution. That's power distribution. Mm -hmm. I think, I really think, for a proper energy mix that not just Taiwan, but most countries need to start looking at individual distributed generation. It's a solution. Thank you, ICRT, for this interview. I, I'm not surprised that it has been rated so so high because if you search on the internet there is really almost no information about Taiwan and offshore wind it's a uh, yeah, like a black box that, uh, as you would say in Taiwan uh, a lot of secrets and uh, nobody is really sure what to do how to do and there are no directions well, just adding to to what we just listened to is, um, I happened to to met uh, Hale Falls several times. We met twice, and he's like the typical American guy you often meet here in Taiwan. Uh, there's one generation which came very early because he were American stations. So that's actually where ICRT itself is from. It's the former American Forces uh, broadcast station, but is today more like the party radio channel, I would say, for people who like to l uh, listen in English. And yeah, I, I w uh, would like to introduce you about Hill Falls when I met him personally. He has a very interesting background, as I said. He's one of these guys who came with American forces here and was contracted here first and got locally married and did all sorts of business. So when he, his office is right in the World Trade Center in Taipei, in the Xinyi district, very close to Taipei 101. And in his office, there are all sorts of things because he represents some US states for trading. He trades with these and that goods from the US to Taiwan or from Taiwan to the US. And Mioli Wind Farm happened to be one of his projects with his brother in law. So let's listen to it. A whole bunch of, I think, useless, useless regulations. Oh, well government yeah useless a lot of times to switch from fossil energy to green energy and they just simply put the effects away pretended they never saw it so the, the, the Taiwan Power Corporation seems to be not in the same line with the government basically because the government doesn't really know what they want 
mm, they say something and just watch. Well, it's like, it's easy to say we want alternative energies. Mm. Okay? It, it's, it's easy to say that. Um, they say we want to put more solar, we want to put more wind, we want to build offshore wind, we want to use these areas. And that's fine. Um, it takes years to do it. Obviously, they want to shut down the nuke stations like starting next year. Yeah. But then that could be creating power shortages. So how to make up for the power shortages while you're trying to catch up with renewables. Mm. And then uh, you have to understand that the renewables are very unreliable. But just a few nations which are able to entirely run on renewables. Impossible. Austria, for example. But Austria has a lot of hydrogen power. Well, hydro? Hydropower. 100% hydropower. Well, that's different. It is. Same like with Scandinavian countries. I mean, if it's natural hydro, where, mm. where you've got these big rivers and you don't have to build great big dams to... to I mean, it's like the Three River Gorge, right? Right. So it's natural. It's, it's not natural. It no, is no, no, not no. natural. In, in, in China, it's not natural, but in Austria, it's natural. Okay. Because of the Alps. Yeah. Water comes down. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. Um, Phoenix, uh, Arizona, they have the water that runs through the Grand Canyon. Mm -hmm. um, that goes through the Hoover Dam, mm -hmm. which comes from Lake Mead, which comes from Lake Zion or whatever, something like that. But uh, that's out in the middle of the desert and they didn't really have to destroy a lot and it's been there like forever mm. uh, so but th they use lakes they're not natural rivers so they have some yeah, but, but some place like Taiwan um, wind is nice solar is nice but you don't have solar 24 hours a day right and then you have cloudy days exactly and then wind is you have you have windy months hmm. and then you have non-windy months exactly and then you have El Ninos and El Ninos that affect everything hmm. so and then summertime probably your 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 capacity factor during the summertime is about In Taiwan every single city government the central government has issues and we have plans we have ambitions what to do but no idea how to do it well, they're all used to doing things, we say makeshift, it's just like, you know, you got a problem, put a band-aid on it. Hmm. You don't need to fix the problem, just cover it, so people can't see it. Yeah. Uh, it was my two hours conversation with Hale Falls. Um, and uh, yeah, it's uh, the basic part we were talking about. Uh, renewable energy what is that was recorded uh, back in 2016 so it's a while ago uh, well I I enjoyed talking to him a lot because uh, he knows a lot he has a lot of experiences here but it's it's more like past experiences I mean when when, when at the time when uh, when Taiwan had a strong KMT government and you can pull some strings here and there through the Nationalist Party to gain some influence, but uh, these days are gone. 
We were also talking about the Miaoli wind farm, which is run by his brother-in-law, and seems to be like a, I don't know, a project. Um, how to say? Well, a construction project to to have some business ties with the Miaoli County government, which has been bankrupt several times. So I. Why I'm doing this? Basically, I just want to tell you if you could hear from our conversation. Yes, uh, there is a government and there are some regulations, but they, like for offshore wind, it's uh, it's not so clear. It's complicated, and you have to use what has been proven to be working. And I just insist to to have a 100% copy from Europe, make it workable here. So for my clients, I found several solutions, and they said, "Oh my God, that's crazy!" Because it's not supposed to be like this, but it works. So at the end, they they don't complain. And at the end, what's uh, for me? As for Mosin business support, only the result counts. So, you want to achieve this goal? Then we work out a way how to reach this goal. And if you call it offshore wind, if you call it engineering solution, supply solution, uh, vendoring, it, it, trade, it doesn't matter. Because only the result counts. And that's how and my people work exactly. And I, I thought it's uh, very important to share with you. So don't get so desperate if it's not like in Europe. If you know what you have to do, what you want, then I help you to reach it as you want. So at the end of the day, everybody will be happy. So, wow, 30 minutes, quite some time. So for the end, I, uh, it's not directly offshore wind related, but uh, I interviewed a, a Portuguese guy, Diogo, who has been on on a um, tram project here in Kaohsiung city. Because the, the, the former mayor, Chen Shi, she wanted to have a tram system. And I, I thought it's good, always good to have some Western people who share their Taiwan experiences for you to listen. So it's not directly offshore wind, but at least it's construction business. It's a infrastructure project, so it's similar in some way. And some of the installation companies I see gonna settle down here. So enjoy the interview. So uh, could you please start who you are? Well, my, my name is Diogo. I will restart. My name is Diogo, I'm Portuguese, I'm 32 years old and I came to Taiwan to build a light rail tram. So you're assigned to Taiwan? Yeah, we came here to, to help CAF, that is a Spanish uh, turnkey contractor, to install a tracker. So I was assigned to, to be here and I'm here for the last two years. Before you came to Taiwan, did you know about Taiwan? No, actually, 
Uh, I knew very few things about Taiwan. I just knew that uh, Taiwan was part of China and uh, well, was very far away from my country. And I never uh, thought to be here, to be frankly. So when you got to Taiwan, very uh, surprised? A lot, a lot, a lot about about the infrastructures, about the the organization, and uh, it's of course is an Asian country. But there's a lot of uh, situations that that uh, can. Sorry, I have to repeat this. No, it's okay. We're gonna cut it. It's like yeah. So I will start again when uh, you ask me uh, if I was uh, what if I if I was surprised with Taiwan. Yeah, like what you found here was surprising yeah. to you. Yeah, I was uh, quite surprised with uh, with Taiwan, uh, Asian country, uh, but much more uh, developed as, uh, than I was expecting, and with uh, very good infra infrastructures, uh, clean cities. And uh, I was searching for GDP, for instance, and I saw that Taiwan was uh, one of the most developed countries in the world, and uh, I was not expecting that. And uh, the fact that this, uh, this, these cities are very well developed, and uh, people can live easily on a, on a city, and uh, the quality of life is uh, extremely good. And uh, I believe that's why expats uh, enjoy to live here and uh, are quite uh, interested to, to keep going and uh, they don't want to return to their hometown. As Portuguese, what do you think about the original name of Taiwan, Ila Formosa? Well, it's it's uh, it's good to to feel like home when you when you know that uh, Portuguese came here in uh, in the uh, 16th century and uh, the name still uh, still here and uh, the fact that Formosa means beautiful and, uh, and this island is uh, really amazing in terms of nature. You have mountains, you have beaches. Uh, very sharp shores that you can you can see it's very genuine shores and uh, I think the name is quite uh, the the reality of this uh, this country and uh, match perfectly. So uh, when you came here, did you have any kind of culture shock, uh, struggles, language barrier? Yeah, the I think the the, the most difficult thing was uh, in terms of uh, food. Um, that is the the most challenging thing. There's there's food everywhere. It's true, but uh, much different than the, the our Western food. Um, the, in terms of uh, language, people are very kind, so you can always uh, speak uh, by gestures. And if you don't know Chinese, you can you can lie with uh, with them. So so I, I didn't. I don't know if it, this, this is the answer that you want to hear. Yeah. <laughs> just be frank. We, we don't need to make up anything or lie. Okay. You're just gonna cut it. It's not yeah, of course, of course. No, if you want, if you want, if you want, you can repeat the, the question, and I can, I can, I can uh, repeat the. Uh, 
Because I was thinking, is, is, is it recording? Both are recording. Both are recording. Yeah. I was thinking your uh, one of your things that you need to, you need to, well, to, to it's one of your uh, scopes yeah, when you are uh, when you are helping the, the other company. So probably I should focus that uh, it's also good, and that's 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 uh, the, the the good thing that it's also good to have someone that can help us on, uh, in the country. Uh, for instance, in my company we have uh, three local people that are very important in the structure and they, they speak English, they speak uh, Mandarin, so it's very very important that uh, for uh, local translations, contracts and uh, government letters uh, they can help us and uh, with our knowledge, with their knowledge, uh, language knowledge, we can we can reach the, the success. Without them, uh, we couldn't uh, be here and uh, be so efficient as uh, we wanted to, to be. And uh, did you encounter huge cultural differences between you working with carfish in Spanish, so it should be similar to you, but like uh, you free nationalities working in one project, is it a big challenge? In terms, in, in, in terms like who is making the decisions, is everybody following the plan, does everything go smooth or is it very chaotic? Well, culturally we are very different, we Westerns are very different from, from Taiwanese people. Um, I think we have good things and and we can also catch up the, the catch the good things from the Taiwanese people and that match is interesting because we we have the the know-how we have the, the the willing we want to do something and they also have their their mindset that is very focused to have something good they have, they want to add value to their country and uh, they are very pacific uh, that's one the, the, the good things in this country so that's matching is uh, can be very interesting between uh, both cultures if you could tell uh, something you want to change to the central government of taiwan what would you like to change well, that is a hard question. What could we improve, make better, based on your experiences from this time? Maybe easier visa run, um, making laws, bilingual in contracts, so you don't need to translate, or maybe things like this. Tough question. Tough question. Because we are not getting. It's new to us, Probably, I'm not. I'm not feeling that. That. Um, I'm not feeling that uh, complication to have the visas because once we have a government project, uh, usually the, the visas within two three weeks are approved, so we don't have any kind of trouble. We we need to apply and we need to organize the papers. But I don't know. I don't know, and, and I don't know specifically what kind of papers or what kind of. Uh, I know what kind of papers we have to submit, but I don't have. I don't know. Have the sense 
rest of hmm. of that uh, problems. There was no problem like establishing a branch or subsidiary in Taiwan when everything very smooth. Like Stekompa was here within I don't know one week, you, you will be able to fully operate. Yeah, it wasn't difficult. I wasn't here, but I know that it wasn't difficult. Mm. Oh, it wasn't difficult in the way that we had a big structure, and uh, that big structure was um, was linked to to the to the local government. Mm. So I can I, I I don't know I don't know the, the way to <laughs> to answer to your question. No problem. I know that I have to be genuine, but I would like also to to, to help you. So you can be frank, no problem. Because if there's room to improve, the better. And if companies encounter problems, when I know next time what to do better to be prepared. And the other companies now too. Like uh, for for instance, I I know we see you of Siemens very well, Mr. Elsas. He keeps telling that his company is the best of the world, but everybody needs Siemens products to just to survive, to keep the infrastructure. And I keep telling him it's an open market. Everybody goes to the public bid, you make your bid, and whoever makes the best bid wins. Same like uh, for the current project of offshore wind farming. Don Energy has already experienced in offshore wind farming for 20 years. Siemens, zero. General Electrics, five years. Mitsubishi, two years. So it's very obvious who will win the bid. Yeah. Yeah. It the most experienced one. Exactly. Even it's more expensive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, maybe, maybe we um, we could will be willing to to have. Um, from the government more support to to have uh, kind of certifications from um, to Arnold. so you, you, your company one of the things that one of the things that I feel difficult hmm. is the um, is the way that they treat the local companies and the foreign companies Mm. and the way that the local companies are more protected but I think that is very political that's why they don't help us to to, to get the jobs or to get the certifications so so maybe that is one of the points that that you could that you could help mm. and you can uh, you can uh, present the, the the companies to the government and get from the government the the correct certifications to help that companies to to bid tenders or to sell a product that is not here mm. or uh, clarify customs things sometimes is hard so so I will answer I will answer through the, that channel through that path okay okay um, can you repeat the just the question just to have a Oh yeah, sure. Based on your experiences until now, if you could make a suggestion to the central government or city government of Kaohsiung, what we could improve to make a better investment environment for foreign investors. If you want to win a tender, do business here, get projects, what yeah. could we improve? 
I think I think the the, the foreign companies wants to feel comfortable when when they're uh, willing to enter in Taiwan. And one of the things that is uh, really necessary is to to level between the local companies and the foreign companies. So the foreign company much the, uh, must must um, be in challenge with the with the local companies, and uh, sometimes you need to present your portfolio and you need to 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 give to the government some 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 of the your your experience your uh, your expertise. So um, to help the companies, the foreign companies, to know better the process and uh, compete in a neutral uh, field uh, should be very important. <laughs> about about customs clearance, for instance, I, I think it's there is a lot of uh, uh, things that uh, sometimes uh, customs are asking us to clarify. I think that is normal. Uh, sometimes uh, too much uh, precise and too too many details. Maybe the government ca could uh, create a catalog and uh, have uh, previous meetings with uh, with companies and have uh, like um, a book of uh, products and uh, will be much easier for the for the customs clearance, less cost, less time. So that could be also a, a good uh, good thing to to, to improve. How many minutes do we have? Yeah, five more minutes. Almost fair. If you don't use the gestures, it's better. Because you block the line. I am blocked the line. You look like a vampire. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Sorry. <laughs> no, no, fine, fine. <laughs> Thanks for the suggestion. <laughs> so, uh, based on the experiences you made so far in Taiwan, if you could, if you're Portuguese, uh, if Portuguese want to come here, what kind of people could come here? Like, if they want to do business, maybe tourism, um, looking for manufacturers, suppliers, or maybe even sell something to you, like heavy machinery, engineering equipment. More SMEs or bigger companies? I think that there's a field that isn't unexplored in Taiwan, that is the renewables field. And I think the um, solar energy and the wind energy could be an um, interesting field for, uh, for the Portuguese companies. We have some, some well-known companies that are uh, abroad and uh, could be interesting for them. In opposite way, if Taiwanese would want to do business with Portugal, what kind of business could they do? Portugal or in connection to Portugal, a green energy you already mentioned. I don't know, maybe invest into tourism by hotels in Portugal or trains, cars. I think it's more the old school style. I think Taiwan uh, also was the the big factory of the Western countries and um, I feel that Taiwan still is on the top of the 
CPUs, IT, um, microchips. So that is the the main the main market that uh, Taiwan can can will in and, uh, and uh, in Europe. Hmm. Did you travel to Taipei? Yeah, often. So uh, traveling inside Taiwan, did you encounter any huge differences in Kaohsiung to Taipei? Or compared to Taichung or East Coast? Yeah, there's a you can you can get a lot of uh, different scenarios, and um, Taipei is a big city, and Kaohsiung is also. But in Kaohsiung, they have um, more a uh, town mood uh, instead of uh, Taipei, that is a city with um, all the facilities, and uh, it's more an international city, more cosmopolitan city. And you have the east uh, coast and the south that is very genuine. You have the mountains, so you can have uh, uh, within one hour, two hours uh, driving. You have a lot of things to to see, and uh, you are not uh, in. A, you don't feel that you are in a island at the end. Any any highlights you want to share? Something very positive or something very negative? First earthquake. First typhoon, <laughs> best best seafood in life, something like. Well, you, you can expect uh, that nature is uh, awesome here. You you can swim with turtles and uh, you can have trekkings uh, in mountains with uh, three thousand meters high. You can uh, have uh, one of the best road trips uh, that you can do on the east coast. And by the other way, you you have the typhoons, uh, you have earthquakes. Uh, sometimes pollution is not a good thing. Uh, I hope also Taiwan can improve that uh, field. But and uh, as uh, overall, you, it's it's a uh, it's a good country to live. After finishing the project, are you planning to come back, maybe, as a tourist? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I. am trying to to know everything from Taiwan before I leave. But the uh, world is so so big, and uh, I'm willing to to know more countries in the, in the world. So so I don't know. All right. Um, thank you very much for for the interview and. All the best for the future. Thank you, Manuel. All the best. Good luck. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Formosan Business Support Podcast Show. If you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to leave a comment or review. Until next time.